This is a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org. Well, good morning. How are you finding the Creed series? You know, from a preaching point of view, it's not fun. Because it's like, it can feel a little bit dry in preparation because we're producing facts. We're telling you what's happening. There's no real... And it's hard to get into the application and please go and do. And then we see what God's doing. Yes, for the folks who are involved in setting up communion, it's a panic moment when you see the crackers running out. For the folks in church leadership, it's thank you, Lord, that you are growing your church. And that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't know why, but as we come to God, as we think more about God, as we see God for who he is, we begin to understand more, we begin to be more of what he wants us to be. That's why we chose this series, that's why we've done this series. That's why we've reminded ourselves over recent weeks of what we believe, that we believe in one God, the maker of heaven and earth, that completely mind-bending concept that God is one, and there are three persons in that one. That somehow, in a way that we can never understand, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, became man and dwelt among us. And that we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that somehow he was God and he was man at the same time. And that somehow he who flung stars into space lives within us because the Spirit is with us. I don't understand the Trinity I just fall in awe at the majesty of who God is. It is completely mind-bending. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of God and who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever and ever. This is our God. But we've remembered as well that we are not God. We are human. We were created and God said it is very good and then we fell. And we are utterly depraved and we are without hope in the world. But God, being rich in mercy, while we were still dead in our sins, he came And he was crucified and he died a horrible, horrendous, mind-rending death that we might be saved. And he didn't stay dead, but on the third day he was raised again, showing that he has power over death and hell, that we will one day join him and be raised. And he didn't just go back to heaven and say, right, you're saved, get on with it. He said, I will send another comforter. That mighty paraclete who comes and lives with us and gives us the power that we need to go forward The Holy Spirit, who stays with us day by day by day, comforting, guiding, strengthening, equipping. This is our God. What an amazing six weeks. Believe it or not, it's six weeks we've had so far on this series. This is week seven. And just feeling our faith rising as we're reminded again of what we believe. I don't know why. But of the team that's been preaching this series, they've got to do all the nice God things. I got to speak about man and about church. Because when you think about it, this is God 
and this is us. Now, how do we relate to him? What is our role? What do we do? Where do we go now? Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, but how? Do we just go and sit in the desert as little hermits? No. In his wisdom, he has put us together to serve him together. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and for the life of the world to come. Today, we look at the church. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. There's the clue. There's my sermon outline. One holy Catholic and apostolic church. There are five words that I think we probably don't often think about and we don't often think about correctly. So it's my privilege this morning to go back to these words and say, what are we saying? What is scripture teaching us about these words? What does it mean to be one holy Catholic and apostolic church? But let's begin at the end. What is the church? Now, the word which we use to mean church, in its original, it occurs 111 times in the New Testament alone. Everything from the Gospels and, and narratives and Acts, right the way through to the prophetic at the other end in Revelation, 111 times in the New Testament, the word church occurs. Of course, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, not in English, so it would be ecclesia, not church. Anybody here know Greek? Excellent. No one will pick on my pronunciation. What does that word mean? It's, it's a gathering. In first century times, when you wanted to get a group of people together, you wouldn't send out a WhatsApp to the WhatsApp group. You wouldn't put something on ZTV. You would send an invitation, call people out of their homes to a gathering. And as that gathering came together, that was called an ecclesia. Similarly, when we're looking in the Greek version of the Old Testament, we see the word ecclesia used for the assembly of the Israelites. So as they're coming out of Egypt as that mighty throng, that is the ecclesia of the nation of Israel. In our sense as Christians, it's the assembly of Christians, like this morning, gathered together to worship. Is the Christians scattered around the world. And also, in passages like Hebrews, when we're talking about that great cloud of witnesses, that is the ecclesia that has gone before us, the faithful believers. I want us to look at four things out of this. Firstly, we are a gathering. The church is not a building. It is a gathering of people. It is not an organization. You might be a member of Kingdom People Church. You're not a member of an organization. You are a part of a gathering of people. You are part of a body. The church is alive. If you are battling to cope with God being one and three in it, the church is one. And there's a whole bunch of us in it. It's very different. Don't think that I'm trying to compare those two. It's just a case of the many and one. That's the only thing they really have in common. But the thing to remember here is that we are gathered. But we didn't just gather because we like each other or we have anything in common. 
On Tuesday, as a nation, we saw a quite remarkable gathering. I saw one person claiming that this was the second largest ever funeral in Africa. I don't know if that's true or not. It doesn't really matter to me this morning. What I want to say on that is they were gathering because they had a common vision, a common goal. Most of those hundreds of thousands of people who gathered in Buhira had never met the man, but they had a common vision. They went because they wanted to. We are different. As the church, we are called out. We are called to come to be church. We don't just come to be church because we have a common vision. We don't just come to be church because we believe in the common standard scripture. God has said, you are my people. Come to me. We have been specifically called. Third thing, the whole body of Christians throughout the whole earth. It's easy to say, I'm going to church. In our mind, we're saying we're coming to this building. You never come to church, by the way. The church comes together. But whether you're coming here or to full gospel church in Seoul, South Korea, or to a little shack made out of palm leaves under a tree in Borneo somewhere, the church is coming together. It's the whole body worldwide. Whatever language they speak, whatever way they worship, whether they do drums and guitars or organs or harmonicas or whatever, even those who don't do music. This is the church, the whole body. And not just those who are alive now, but those who've gone before. This is absolutely mind-freezing to me. We are the church. So are those who've died. So are the great missionaries who brought us the faith. So are the guys who wrote the Bible. They're still the church. My brain, Shepherd Wazara, Simon Peter, they're both church. Such a huge thing to be a part of this glorious, wonderful church. This is God's church. Mighty, powerful, planned by him, equipped by him, and important to the world. Now, very simply, when we look at the rest of this, we see the basic structure of what a church is, the one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. So we start with one. The word one, as it is in the original Greek, means one. There is only one church. Don't get suckered into the true church or the false church. There is only one church. The church is those who are faithful believers in Jesus Christ. The church is those who subscribe to the one true gospel. I was challenged on this during the week by somebody who said, are you going to say that we're right and everybody else is wrong? No, I'm not, because I'm not that brave. I pray that we are right. I won't presume it. Church, do not assume that we are right. Do not assume that those of us who have the privilege of standing up here are right. You've got the manual. Check. 
Kingdom people, we cannot presume that we are part of the one church. We must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We must spend time with God. We must be sure that we are subscribers to the true gospel. We must daily question ourselves individually, in our life groups, and as a church as a whole to say, are we following what God taught? Or are we having fun with what we like? I will attack some of the things later, maybe. Hopefully attack nicely. Challenge, better word. But there is only one church. Some of the great clever people of the church history have described a visible church and an invisible church. And depending on your church background, that has different things to say. But for us, I can see the visible church. You're here. But the one church are the faithful believers in Jesus Christ. I cannot see who those are. I pray that many of you are part of that one true church, but I can't presume it. And I must pray for you that God will bring you to that place of being faithful believers in him. Because the invisible church are God's church. So do we assume that we are right? No, Matthew 7 clearly says to us, judge not that you be not judged. And Romans 14, 12 says that each of us will have to give an account for himself to God. I'm not responsible to give account for the security God. I am responsible for my soul before God. I'm responsible for my time in the word. I'm responsible for knowing that I believe in God the Father. I'm responsible. Don't judge others. Strive to be part of that one church. In 1 Corinthians 12, we read that we are all members of one body. And we, though many, are one body. Whether we're Jews or Greeks or English or Scots or Shona or Inderbele or tree-climbing bush Baptists, we are all one in Christ. And we're all made to drink of the one spirit. Whatever your status in life, we're only one. In Romans 12, 4 to 6, that we, though many, are one body in Christ. And we are members of one another. No, I'm not going to try understanding that one this morning. How, what it means for us to be members of Christ and members of one another. But it just gives us that feeling of we're together. We are one. We are not divided. All one body, we one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. Yes, you sang it when you were about five, probably. But hang on to it. That truth that we are the army of God, one, united. One holy Catholic and apostolic church. What does it mean to be holy. Well, Old Testament and New Testament, you've got two different words. The Hebrew word, Kodesh, or the Greek word, Hagios. They both come down to the same thing, really, in the end. We're talking about separateness, differentness, set-apartness. We're just not the same as everybody else. If you've got everybody, we are different. We're stepping outside. Brian shouldn't sit there with that t-shirt on. There are soccer supporters and there are Chelsea supporters. They're different. 
enough. But we are different. And we shouldn't be like everybody else. We should be different. We are a holy people. We've been called to be different, and we should strive to be different. We've been redeemed. We've been reborn. We've been rescued. We are being transformed. We are not the same as we were. We're not the same as they are. We cannot be. Yes, have good non-Christian friends and shine the light into their lives, but don't think you're like them. Don't think you can be. Don't get snobbish, but rejoice that you're not like them. You've been made different. You are strangers and aliens in this world. Live like it. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, we read that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Ephesians 5, 29 to 32, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. You think we only get to read Ephesians 5 at weddings. It applies because this is a passage about the church. Paul writing this is not saying, guys, this is how you do your marriage. He's saying, guys, you know instinctively how to love your wives. You know how instinctively we work as marriages. That's what the church is like. He's using marriage as an image of the church, not the other way around. Just to help you, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with this, and I'm going to adapt the text slightly and take out the words that will confuse us. No one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ loves the church, cherishes the church, nurtures the church. That's Christ's job. One of his many jobs is to build us up as a church. He nourishes us and cherishes us, and we are members of his body. Therefore, leave what you were, leave who you were, leave what you came from, leave the world that you grew up in. And hold fast to this new existence. Hold fast to this new union that he's put you together in. Hold fast to this body that he's put you into. Hold fast to the church and become one with him and one with the church. Because this is Christ in the church. We are holy. We are separate. We are joined together. Leviticus 20, you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the people that you should be mine. God speaking to the children of Israel in Leviticus, remember what we said, that the people of Israel in, at that stage still called the Ecclesia, it's the same concept as us. God says to us, be holy, be separate, be different, be set apart, because he is holy, separate, different, set apart, like nothing we can imagine. And he has separated us from other peoples that we should be his. Not that we should be nice. Not that we should be liked or prosperous or healthy. But we should be his. 
Okay, I've got to do a quick aside. As soon as I mention the word healthy, it comes to mind. A couple of times ago when I was up here, I told you my mother-in-law had just been diagnosed with cancer. Her initial uh, blood tests showed the cancer markers, 400 and some. Thursday, cancer markers, 219. God doesn't promise he will heal, heal everybody, but I am just so grateful to him that he's healing mama. Yeah, he's using some medics to help, but he's doing job. You will be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. And you will be his. One holy Catholic and apostolic church. This is the one which most people in the preaching team said I should change. Because the word Catholic is misunderstood. That's why I left it in, so that we can unmisunderstand. Because the word Catholic doesn't mean that your headquarters is in Rome. It doesn't mean that you have a certain style of doing worship that is very clear and structured and probably has a certain amount of fragrance billowing through the auditorium. And maybe, depending on your kind of Catholic, has the preachers preaching in long dresses. That is not what the word Catholic means. The Greek word Catholicos specifies that we are, it is general. It is universal. It's according to the whole. It's an entirety. So when the Catholic Church down the road refers to itself as the Catholic Church, they're saying the church to reach the whole world. And they're right because the whole church of God is the Catholic Church. That is our job, to reach the whole world. The church is to be everywhere, at every time. Not just here, but everywhere. It's so easy to get suckered into thinking, we belong here. We don't. We belong in the whole world. That's what being Catholic means. And not just for now, but for all eternity. When we read about the church bowing down before God, it's still the church. Revelation speaks about the church in the future. The church is the gathered body of all believers in all places for all time, forever and ever and ever. At the end of his time on earth, Jesus met with his disciples And he said to them, go therefore and make disciples of the guys in your neighborhood. All nations. Until the whole world hears, we have not completed our definition of being a Catholic church. We have to be going to the whole world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end. Church is not now. Yes, you will hear people talking about the pre-church age and the church age and the church age ends when Christ... No, it doesn't. If you want a word to despise, dispensational is a good one. Because the church is God's eternal plan. God doesn't change, neither does his plan. And this is what we're part of when we're part of church church is called to go to the whole world if we're not going we're not being church 
The church is called to be missional, to make a difference. If we're comfortable on Sundays and Wednesdays, we're not being church. Numerically, we're growing. I'm so thankful. Until numerically we're going, we're not being church. I hate to see you guys go. But that's what we're called to do. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a greater cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That great cloud of witnesses are those who've gone before. Our fathers, our grandfathers. Can't help catching Trisha's eye at the stage. Just, for some reason, thinking about your dad. Those cloud of witnesses that have gone before. God, we miss the dear Christian people who brought us to faith and led us through. They're part of the church still. It's not a case that we lost them. But the Catholic Church implies all ages for all time. They've gone on ahead of us. We read in Revelation that I, for I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried, holy, holy, holy. This is the church of God. It's not now. It's for all eternity. One holy, Catholic, and apostolic church of every tribe. You know those guys you don't really like because they're different. God wants them in his church. God loves everybody. Black, white, green, purple, Chelsea, dynamos, everybody. They shall come from the east. They shall come from the west and sit down in the kingdom of God. Both the rich and the poor. The despised, the distressed, they'll sit down in the kingdom of God. And no one will ask where they have been, provided that their robes are clean. They shall come from the east. They shall come from the west. And sit down in the kingdom of God. One holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. Apostolic. Another one which we've got all sorts of confused ideas about. In not so long ago, we went through a phase in the church worldwide where we reclaimed the apostolic. And we maybe got it wrong. And we very quickly fell into a pattern of saying, we're going to have apostles because they'll be cleverer than pastors. Okay, I'm overstating it. But the word apostolic, when we go back to its root, does not mean super Christian. It means sent Christian we have two different concepts when we're talking about the church being apostolic firstly it follows in the tradition of the apostles so we as a church follow in the belief structure follow in what the original guys recorded for us they got it straight from Jesus himself or for guys like Paul straight from the Holy Spirit 
And that's what being apostolic means, to say, this is our call. This is what we believe. This is what we go with. True to the teaching of the apostles, true to the truth of Scripture. But the apostles themselves got the name of being apostles because they were sent. Greek word apostolos is a delegate, an ambassador, a messenger. He's one who is sent. Paul was not an apostle because he was very clever. He was not an apostle because he was very self-sacrificing. He was an apostle because he was sent. He was a messenger. He had a job to do, and he went out and did it. Church, we're a gathered people. We're a called out people. We're called together, but we are also sent. The church is God's messenger. The church must go with the message. We have no choice on that. If we're to be church, we have to be his ambassadors. We have to take that message out. That is what we're here to do. In John chapter 20, we read, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so, I'm sending you. But Jesus, I like being me. I don't really want to be a missionary. Yes, Peter? This far you've been fishers of fish. Now I'll make you fishers of men. Go. Just as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Oh, but Jesus, I'm good with money. Yes, Matthew. Leave the tax gathering. I've got a job for you to do. Go. Even as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Not just to those who are like you, but to others as well. There are Hundreds of thousands of people who are nothing like you and have never heard the gospel. What are you doing? The church is apostolic. We must go into all the world. We must. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We have to do it. We don't really have much choice on this. Why? Why did God call us to be one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Why did he want us to be doing these things for him? Why did he want us to be united? Why did he want us to be all-encompassing? Why did he want us to be going? What was his purpose? Why did he want a sent people? We'll never fully understand, but it's part of his bigger plan. And his grand design plan says very clearly that we have a role. As Paul expresses it in Ephesians 3, the plan that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. How good are you at talking to the folks you work with? How good are you at talking to your neighborhood? How good are you at talking to those 
in government over you. These are small buttons. His plan is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Church, our calling as church is beyond you. That's why he created the church. That's why he created the church to be his body, to be gathered together, to be called out and to be sent that we might show the manifold wisdom of God. It's not simple. It's not easy. It's glorious. It's God. And that's the way he's doing it. This is the church. This is one holy Catholic and apostolic church proclaiming the manifold wisdom of God. No, I'm not big enough for that. You're not big enough for that. But we're not a church in our own strength. We're a church that he has called. We're a church that he has equipped. We're a church that he knows exactly what he is doing with. Peter said to him, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He will build his church. He will use us, yes, but he will build his church. He will use you each individually as he builds his church. He will use your time, he will use your effort, some of you, he will use your lives. But he will build his church. He will build it on truth. He will build it on righteousness. He'll build it on that firm rock that he alone is Christ. He alone is the anointed, redeeming, saving, holy one. He alone is the son of the living God. That's the bedrock on which he will build his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is nothing that can stand in the way of God. It shall not prevail. Because he will build his church. Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. And the church submits to him. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and that she might be holy and without blemish. We are gathered, we are called out, we are sent, and we are to be holy and without blemish. How are we doing? Kingdom people, are we ready to call ourselves kingdom people church? Thanks be to God that he's a big God and takes us slowly. Because there are areas where we are very spotty and very wrinkly. But he gave himself for us that we might be presented without spot or wrinkle or any other thing. That we might be holy and without blemish. This is our God and this is what he wants from you. 
Why are you here this morning? I know you don't come because of the coffee. You may come because you like the people. But I want you to be church so that you can be daily reflecting the glory of God. That you might be yourselves holy. That you yourself might be doing what he calls you to do. Might be that radiance of him. Might be that projection of who he is. We are the body of Christ. As members of the body, we have different roles. We have different functions. We have different visibilities. But we are the body. We've got a job to do. And if we are the body, then why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? If we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there is a way? Jesus paid too much a price for us to pick and choose who should come. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is the way. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided, all one body we. One in hope, in doctrine, one in charity. I'll take a guess. Your vision of church is too small. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Father, we thank you for your church. Thank you for what you've done in us. Thank you for the way you have brought together those who believe in you. Thank you, Lord, for your gathering. That you have drawn us out of the world because you care for us. But at the same time, you have not just held us here, but you want us to go. You've called us out from our sins. You've called us into new life. That, Lord, you've made us united, but you haven't made us uniform. You've given us the ability to be different, to be useful to you in so many different ways. You've set us apart to be holy to you, to be able to worship you, to be glorious in your eyes and glorious to the world and giving your glory to the world for all time, in all places. Lord, we are a sent people. We're a people on a mission. That's who we want to be, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to more than believe. Help us to be one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Amen. You have been listening to a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org.